you hear him? Did you hear Craig? Heard it. Yeah, Craig's here. That'll probably do. Yeah. Um. Okay. This is a this is a podcast. I cannot do an intro. Uh. Say hello to all the you know twelve of you who listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron's not here to be the adult, to be the one with professionalism. It's just me doing an intro. Uh. We've got on on tonight's show. We've got Josh, aka J Moneystack ninety seven. Uh, we're we're going to talk about some drafts. We're going to talk about, well, one draft pick. Yeah, one guy. One, this is already, this is already off the rails, but in like <laughs> the most boring way, like the, the train ran out of gas instead of, of exploding and going somewhere else. Oh, my Do goodness. trains run on gas? Was that a dumb question? I think they run on smoke. Smoke. Interesting. Anyways, how 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 are we doing, Josh? Fine. School's over. I don't got shit to do now except work. That's always a good time. So uh, here's a here's the preliminary question. We'll get some personal questions out of the way before we start talking about football. Yay or nay? Segregation. <laughs> um, that's kind of a tough one. It does seem like it might be a tough one, right? Yeah. If I say yay, I'm going to kind of take my career, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep it recorded and upload it other places, <laughs> follow you around, because I know your real name and where you live. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll say nay. Mm-hmm. How, here's the... Here's the uh, to satisfy uh, the damn liberals. The damn liberals. Here's a follow-up question to that. Accusing people of being segregationists, yay or nay? Oh, yay. Yay? For sure. It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of fun. I it seems like it could be a lot of fun for the person mm-hmm. doing it and nobody else. Um, you know, like de- domestic abuse accusations and alcoholism accusations. These are fun things. Oh yes, I like these inside jokes. These are my favorite kind because I'm not going to explain them, uh, but they're good for me, and I hope they're good for you. Totally fine. So so on this time we're talking about the Denver Broncos. First round draft pick, number 15. And that's how I kind of want to frame it. I don't want to necessarily say, like, this is the name of the person or the draft pick isn't anything other than that 15th slot because I feel like that opens avenues for us to talk about what ifs. But we will be talking about Jerry Judy, everybody. Don't you worry. We got the boy. Josh, you want to start talking about Jerry Judy? Sure. Um. So, basically, he's a savage. Uh, he caught... 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns on 68 catches his sophomore season two two years ago. And then he had a little bit of a down year, only 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. I know, awful, right? So I got a few points to bring up here. Starting off with the route tree, his fundamental understanding of the route tree. This guy is a technician. He is amazing in short spaces. Rookies struggle when they first start in the NFL against press coverage and getting separation downfield, Judy will not. He knows all nine routes on the basic route tree and more. This, oh, this dude ran a blaze out in college. That's like the hardest route you can run. It's seven-yard sprint, three yards in, and then you drop your hips and go straight to the sideline. It was, it's beautiful to watch when it's done correctly, and he, he knew how to do that in college. That, I mean... What can I say? He's the best route runner I've ever seen coming out of college. Moving on a little bit, his hands. He's got uh, he's got some concentration drops, but we've already seen the Broncos clear that up with Cortland Sutton, so there's no reason they can't do that with Judy. And it's really not that big of a deal. Not to the extent of our other receiver we took, KJ Hamler. He dropped a lot more. But hey, uh, don't you don't you start in, uh, encroaching 
okay, okay, on Quell and Farrell's episode. That's coming <laughs> up, everybody. Stay tuned. Eventually, we'll have one about Hamler, maybe. Yeah, he uh, he never really had to do contested catches because he's so good at getting separation. He was always a good two, two and a half yards away from the cornerback. So, we, I mean, he could be the worst contested catch guy in the NFL for all we know. But it's not going to matter when he's three yards away from the cornerback every single time he runs a slant or an out route. So I don't really care about that. What did you think of the competition he faced, particularly this last year? Well, he played in the SEC. I don't know that much about college football. I, I just really get into it, you know, scouting players. But he went up against LSU. Uh, they had Stingley and Fulton. They had a really stacked secondary. And he is still putting people in the dirt, you know. I, I mean, it, there's no better competition than the SEC, the people who Alabama play every year. And he's still just so dominant. So, yeah, he – the highest level of competition he could. And he, he dusted them all. Let's move on to his run-after-the-catch ability. Uh, get ready. I'm, I'm going to say this about a lot of them. He is amazing at it. He – his dead leg is putting his foot in the ground – and changing direction on a whim, oh, it's it's beautiful. I Broncos fans who didn't watch college football, who don't watch college football that much, who didn't follow the draft as closely as I did, they're in for an absolute treat the first time they see this guy walk onto the field. He's super electric. <clears throat> Before he has the ball and after, he's gonna be taking he's gonna be taking some angles for sure. And this one, his football IQ, it goes kind of hand-in-hand with his fundamental understanding of the route tree and stuff like that. You know, he knows how to do everything. He can sit down in zones when he needs to. Yeah, I already kind of went over all of that. He, uh, his speed, he is, he ran a four-four-five at the combine, right? That is slower than what he looks like on the field. The combine did him no justice. I... I will challenge anyone who says that he is not a 4-3 speed on the field. This dude, he's blazing fast. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. He, he's not as fast as Ruggs or Waddle, his teammates from last year, but this guy, he's, he's still going to be able to just outrun the majority of cornerbacks in the NFL if they let him. He's, he's really, really fast. Is that something that happened a lot? with him in college was being able to get behind and uh, yes. smoke defenses? Yes, there's one in particular I'm, I'm thinking about. I think it was against Michigan. He, he just – I mean, Alabama ran a lot of – they do they ran like a Madden-style offense. They just run four verticals every play, and you just chuck it up to one of them that's down there, and everybody is outrunning their guy, Judy, too. You just – right by them all, except for like – the rarest of the rare athletes that are faster than he is. What was his uh, pecking order uh, approximately on that Alabama offense? So this last year, he was kind of the number two to Devonta Smith, who had a breakout season. He had a really good year. Um, I'd say it was more of like a 1A, 1B, where Judy was the 1B, than a, you know, than a traditional 1 and 2 guy. but. I mean, they're all oh, it's just a crazy stacked receiving core there. You could you know, you throw it up to just about anybody because at least two of them are open on any given pass play. Tua had it so easy. Really, really easy. Uh they're you know, the year before that he was their best receiver. I, I still think he was probably their best. He just you know, Devonta Smith came out and Got got a little more lucky to a through to him a little bit more. That's all that it was. Here's here's a question that that harkens back to me leaving that fifteenth spot unnamed. Who did you want at fifteen? In the moment while they were drafting, absolutely Jerry Judy. You wanted Jerry Judy over over C D Lamb, yes. Ooh. See, I was I was all in for Judy for a while. Uh, just because of the haphazardly tossed out Stefan Diggs comparisons, route running Shermer, trying to utilize um, yeah. 
players making their own separation kind of stuff. And I think in the last 48 hours prior to the draft pick, uh, my mind completely shifted to, to, to Lamb, and I was a little devastated because I, yeah. for whatever reason, hyped myself up for Lamb. For whatever reason, you know who you are, the one listening to this, who changed my mind. You know who you are, and I'm still fucking pissed, because I had to experience that tragedy that evening. Um, but yeah, so we can, I, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit. What does Judy bring that makes him better than Lamb, do you think? So they're both very, very good wide receiver prospects, like some of the best of the decade. Judy, however, is a much better fit for the Broncos as it stands. You, when you're building a skill position core, one of my favorite things to, to say is you got to build it like a basketball team. You need different complementary skill sets. Basically, you just got to, you got to diversify. Like CeeDee Lamb, right? He's very dynamic, great after the catch. But a lot of the stuff that he does really, really well, Cortland Sutton already does very, very well. So what stuff that Cortland can't necessarily do, like, you know, drags, zigs, slants, all the, you know, the the stuff, you know, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, those intermediate routes where Judy really, really excels. Cortland, you know, he's kind of lacking. And he has troubles getting separation. Uh, still as well. So you have someone like Judy who's going to be able to dust just about any corner in the NFL that is on him one-on-one, you know. Obviously, the elite guys like Stephon Gilmore, they'll probably lock him up. But if you put anyone's number two cornerback on Jerry Judy, you're in for a disaster. Well, a lot of um, a lot of Cortland Sutton's separation, some might say, exists above his head. Mm-hmm. In a way that some people have criticized, not criticized, but pointed out about Judy, he's not as much the red zone threat. He's not as much um, a deep threat compared to some of these guys like CeeDee Lamb or Cortland Sutton or something like that. Do you think that holds water? Um, I disagree with him not being a red zone threat because I, – I, well, actually, I disagree with both because he is a deep threat. Like I said, he – on the field shows 4-3 speed, and I'll defend that to the nail because he does. So he can still run past a lot of the corners in the NFL, and he will. Um, so yes, he's still a deep threat in my mind. And, you know, in the red zone, he's not the prototypical red zone threat, you know, the 6-4 big receiver that you can throw fades to. But, I mean, when do fades ever work since Calvin Johnson retired? No one ever catches fades anymore. They're they're a waste of a down, you know? I I really hate goal line fades. Very inefficient use of the three downs you have on the goal line. Well, I'll be uh I'll be tagging you in game threads then if I ever All see right. them. I mean we are gonna see him because we got, you know, a bunch of receivers and tight ends that are all six four and higher. Judy's ability to get open and you know, within his ability to get open after, you know, immediately getting off the line of scrimmage, like two, three yards down the field, his ability to get the separation, you know, his his lateral quickness, the quickness in his feet, you know, being able to do stuff like that down where there's little to no room to work with. And, you know, you got Drew Locke, he's got the arm to zip it in there. I think he's a bigger red zone asset than a lot of people give him credit for. What do you think of the switch from Tua to Drew for, for Judy? What do you think that's going to do for him? I'm glad you brought that up because I would have forgotten about it myself. Tua, Tua's big, biggest problem, uh, you know, just me watching him anyway, was his arm strength. And, you know, you'd see Judy get open. Like, let's say Tua's rolling out to the left and Judy's open on the right side of the field, 10 yards down the field on an out route. Tua didn't have the arm strength to throw it at a high enough velocity across the field, a little bit down the field, to get it there before a defender would jump it for an interception or a pass breakup. Drew absolutely has that arm strength. So he'll be able, from 
pretty much anywhere on the field to throw a laser right into his hands on out routes, slants, all those little intermediate areas where you really need to thread the needle and you need to just get a lot of zip on it. I think he's going to like having Drew to throw, throw to him after Tua. Hmm. Where do you see uh, where do you see Judy lining up most often? Well, I would say on the outside most of the time. Is that by is that because of the potential talent uh, we would have at the slot with other players and lack of outside, or do you think his skill set would be better suited for the slot? Actually, I do think his skill set is better suited towards the slot, but there is also a lot more talent that was recently brought in for specifically the slot position. Clellan, we're getting to you. We're getting to you, Clellan. Judy is just as good on the outside. He can beat press. He can make separation on the outside as well. Uh, In the situations where there's only two receivers on the field, right? Like we're running two tight end sets, or, you know, something to that effect. Uh, I think you could see him kind of line up in a slot-esque position when it's just him and Cortland on the field. Or if said slot receiver that we brought in is hurt or not, you know, in at that particular moment, I could see him going to the slot, especially on third downs, where it's like third and four, third and six, third and seven, where he needs to run a quick slant, zig come back you know all all, you know these little intermediate routes that would get a first down i could definitely see that happen where do you where do you see where do you predict him being in the ranking of targets that's a good question because we got Cortland. obviously is probably most people are thinking he's going to get the most targets Mm -hmm. then um you know noah's there uh there's now a pass catching back a decent one that can do other things also thrown in there. And apparently they're just trying to get as many tight ends and, and wide receivers on, on the pre cut down roster as possible to make sure it works. Um, I think, wow. I actually don't know who will get more between him and Fant. Um, See, Cortland took up 25% of all the targets in the offense last year, which is crazy high. So that number is going to come down, I suspect, by at least 5%, probably more, because fans going to get more targets. He's not going to be battling through, hopefully not battling through minor injuries like he was the last five or six games of the year. I'm going to say he'll have the third most behind Fant and Sutton but I could easily see him edging out fan for targets. You don't you don't have you don't have third third ranked faith in uh, a Quag Boonham? You know, Broncos fans are overrating him a lot. He uh he I I'd be surprised if he sees more than 20 targets this year. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know anything about him. I don't watch college football. Uh I know people were excited just because of the the Yeah, he's Drew got the connection. chemistry with with Drew Locke, but he's just not as talented as Noah Fanton on the slightest. Oh, no, I don't I don't believe he is. Yeah. All right. Well, uh what what else do you want to gush over Judy from or for? That's probably the better word. Do you have any notes or am I going to am I going to turn it into making you give me negatives? Um, God, he really... Are you, are you about to tell me that Jerry Judy doesn't have any negatives? Is that what we're going towards? Oh, okay, here, here are his negatives. Here are his negatives, right? Because you still really... have to pull me off the C.D. Lamb thing. Because a lot of the stuff he said about Jerry Judy's superiority to C.D. Lamb, in my head, it's like, well, C.D. Lamb could learn how to run a row. Like, that's what my dumb brain is thinking right now. And it's not even that I don't like Jerry Judy. I'm ecstatic that Jerry Judy's on the team. It's just that my expectations were thwarted. It's not so much my my actual concern for the team. It's just I didn't get exactly what I wanted. Yeah, okay. So, Judy, right? He's got, like, one and a half weaknesses. And they're really nitpicky. 
That's he's got the most interesting preamble to listing weaknesses <laughs> I've ever heard. So Please give the, me one and a half weaknesses. The, the one the one whole weakness is concentration drops, right? Which, like I said, can be ironed out. It happened with Cortland, and I can very easily see it happening with Judy. It most likely will. So, I, God, I'm really not worried about it. So it's hard for me to put that as a negative. But he did drop a few passes when he shouldn't have. So what I mean, guess. What, what, what do you mean by a few? Oh, numbers. Um. Well, let's fire up the old Google machine real quick. When you are considering things from college, like drops, do you take in the entire college career? Like, do you look at the percentage of drops from the top, entire college career, or do you just kind of look at that final year? Because you can look at other things like if percentage of drops goes down, that's a trend that's good. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people, for a lot of different college athletes uh, going to the NFL, will kind of take the solid number from their entire career and use that in, in a way that hopefully Clell and Farrell will talk about later on. Um, KJ Hamler, like if you take his whole college career drop rate, it's lower than if you just took his final thing and it makes him look better, even if it's still not great. Mm -hmm. I'm just asking, um, which of those two numbers do you prefer, final year or whole career? As a fundamental belief that I hold, I always look at the most recent year. My man. Because looking at past years is a recipe for disaster and thinking, oh, well, look what he was now. We could get that out of him now. You know, we could get that out of him. We could we could bring him back to that form. Um, that's uh, that's the thinking that led to trading for Joe Flacco. Sadly, I don't really want to talk about that. Flacco trade hate is always welcome here. Yes, even if it's uh, traumatic for some of us. I mean, I again, this is uh, a fulfillment of my expectations. So even if it's bad, uh, on the whole, I was still right. So I'm mm -hmm. happy. Uh, by the way, Jerry Judy had seven drops in 2019. I'm not sure if those were all um, considered catchable or not. I'm just seeing hard numbers. Yes, and I'm seeing right here that it says his drop rate was 8.3%, which sounds about right. So, I mean, yes, he had problems with drops. Ugh, it's just such, an, it's such a nitpicky thing. Especially when it's not in the double digits, like some other uh, people on the Broncos team now. It's it's such a nitpicky thing to look at, in my opinion. It, I really have troubles being worried about it. Is it what? What is that? Seems like something that translates more to the NFL than certain other things uh, pertaining to wide receivers. Like I said, I'm route running might be the most important. You know, maybe catching the ball, maybe, but route running might be you know the most important aspect a college wide receiver can have already coming to the NFL, getting that kind of separation on their own kind of stuff. But it does seem like as important as that is, it's probably also the easiest of those big kind of traits for them to learn, as yeah. opposed to drops, which seem much more like this is a psychological issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Drops don't worry me because what a lot of guys can do, and I'm going to bring it up again, specifically Cortland last year, you, you just got to, you know, take 30 minutes, maybe an hour after practices, after training camp or whatever, on the jugs machine. Just getting, you know, just catching a ball over and over and over again. And, you know, the first few games, he's going to need to adjust to the NFL like all rookies have to. Uh, but I, he's has such a good work ethic, and he, you know, he, there's no reason to believe that he's not going to clean it up like Cortland did. And Cortland is a great personality, and I know that he's going to be saying, hey, we're hitting the jugs machine after practice. So I'm not really worried about it. What do you think of Deshaun Hamilton's uh, newly acquired drop abilities? I'm uh, just so I'm just so he, he came out of college. One of the big things about him, and he had a 
horrible year in terms of drops, uh, in terms of a lot of things, but particularly drops stand out to people. So that's, you know, you, you say something, like you just spend an hour, hour or two after practice on the judge machine. Like, I'm pretty sure Hamilton was doing that. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the person. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, if he drops seven catches a year, it's vastly outweighed by all the good that he'll do for the offense. You know, I so I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll forgive things like that. Yeah. Let's say worst case scenario, he still drops eight percent of his passes in the pros. Yeah, that's high, and it's not something you want to see. But he's so great at just about everything else a receiver needs to do. I'm willing to let it slide. How's his jump? How's his fifty-fifty? So that's that's his half weakness, oh. and I call it I call it a half weakness. Because it is purely a weakness that we, we just we don't know. Because, like I said earlier, he never had to do 50 balls, 50-50 balls. He never had to box out a defender and just try and go up and get it because that's, that's not his game, you know? And so I, it's, it's not something that worries me either because Cortland Sutton is great at that particular thing. And... I really just don't see a scenario where Drew Locke ends up throwing a bunch of 50-50 balls to Judy. I don't see that happening at all. Well, that's good. So we've got uh, uh, one and a half weaknesses, which is, mm. as you said, drops, and then a lack of evidence on 50-50 balls. Yes. All right. I still, I st- I still want, I still want CD. <laughs> Still, still. I mean, I would have been, I would have been really happy with CD Lamb too. That's yeah, the thing I made sure everybody knew. Judy's, as long as we get one of the top three receivers, Judy's fantastic. He's probably going to be great. One of the better things that you can probably project onto him is his potential NFL greatness. But I was wrong, and I'm upset. Yeah, well, deal with it. <laughs> we'll see. I might just ban everybody that disagrees with me come come season. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah? All the tyranny you've witnessed of me? The mods in general. The mods in general? How many mods do you know the name of? Uh, let's see. I have a very good memory. Okay, list all uh, nine? Are there nine mods? Listen all. Nine? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. You didn't think. You, you didn't have time to go to the mod list real quick. Okay, so you. All right. Uh, Blind Man Baldwin. Correct. Uh, the Krug guy. Correct, the champ. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, PRB. All right, got pot roast. And to be fair, to be fair to you, those are the only uh, four that you'll ever actually really see anywhere. Okay. The rest okay. really aren't. I can't. I can't. I can't. The rest really more. aren't that active um, in the sub anyway. But mm-hmm. you've got people like uh, Baron. You've got Cube G. You've got Brady Ty. You've got D Levine. You've got Scully D. Scully D's been around for a long time before he was a mod. None of those names rang any bells just now. That's good. I'm the only mod that you need to worry about, though, or care about, okay. or praise. I should be the only mod, is what I'm saying. I gotcha. Um, Blind Man Baldwin, I'll let it because I like having fun with his name. It's so easy to put different things in place of blind. Like what? Give me an example. Well, my favorite was uh, there, is a, there is a user who tried to parody their uh, Blind Man Baldwin's name, and it's Cuckman Cuckwin. <laughs> <laughs> and when we found that one, we all were laughing our asses off. <laughs> Fucking Cuckman Cuckwin. I like that. That's a good one. I, I I had one also that was kind of like that. It was a uh, uh, it was uppercut uh, uppercut of cuctus, which is really strange because upper cuck works. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other Judy things? Um. Not that I haven't already said, I don't think. I just, I'm just super excited to see this guy play for the Broncos. We can talk about, yeah. I'm, I'm also excited. I know I say CD Lamb things, but I'm super. Oh, okay. Actually, okay. I, I actually have another negative kind of. Oh, please give me the negatives. So, 
it's uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with his ability to play football on the field. But he doesn't come oh. across he doesn't come okay. across as a very uh wonderlick person. Yes. Okay. He's very soft spoken, is how I'll say it. Okay, so wait. Um He's not like Cortland. Cortland really shines when he gets interviewed by the media. Cortland's and, charming. Cortland yeah. has a lot of, of presence and charisma. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think do you think that is indicative of what I assume you're impugning his intelligence? Or do you think that's more of a like just doesn't have a camera persona? I like to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it's just a, you know, he's not made for the camera. Uh but you know, players from Alabama are never the smartest. Ooh. I mean, I I know I know that I know that the Wonderlick is a joke, but all of their players do relatively bad on the Wonderlick. I don't know if it's entirely a joke, but for certain things, it's a joke in the sense that no team is going to not take someone because of their Wonderlick score. That's really what I meant. Okay. And in that way, we have no way of knowing if they actually try. It is true, and uh, various um, learning disabilities and situational yeah. <clears throat> Garrett Bowles can affect it. Well, yeah, Garrett Bowles has a legit learning disability, um, but you know, even such as the SAC or the SATs and stuff. The reason why you can take them multiple times because circumstances could be less than ideal, even if you don't have learning disabilities. Maybe you know family members died. Maybe hurt other things happened. Various amounts of anxiety can come up and get you. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, he the, the, they were reporting that thing of him having straight A's his senior year of high school, which I have no reason not to believe. Yeah, I mean. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, at, at the end of the day, his intelligence really doesn't matter. Lamar Jackson's not the smartest person in the world. He's one of the best players in the league. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. he just he doesn't wow on the camera like some more of our players on the team. Yeah, maybe so. maybe the 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 very personable locker room he's about to go into, maybe that'll help him. Yeah, maybe it'll bust, him, bust him out of his shell. Yeah, just good. He's a cute boy. Wait, he's old enough for me to say that, right? Yeah, <laughs> he has to be. Um, yes. He has to be, right? There's not 17 I mean, I mean yeah, what's the cutoff? Is it 18? Uh, legally, yeah. It's actually 16 in my state. We'll just. I think we should go ahead and blanket eighteen, even if it is legal within your weird state. Okay. I th- I think that's a pretty good rule, right? Like even if it's okay. legal. If you want to go around throwing out words like weird, go right ahead. I mean, yeah, you live in. I mean, I know what state you live in. Um, going back to the the original draft number pick one fifteen. <laughs> um, assuming you could have anybody. Would it still be Judy? Like anybody picked before or after? Before or after? Yeah. Let's say oh, number fifteen pick was as good as the number one pick. Who is your Who wow. is your number one person on the board for the Broncos specifically? I guess. Well, fuck. It would have. It would have been Joe Burrow. You know what you've done, right? Yes, I know, you know what I've what done. done. I didn't here. expect to be doing it. You better pray nobody I came on here to this like they never have. I'm sorry. I love Drew, and I think— Apparently you don't love Drew is what I'm <laughs> gathering. Well, you know, at least I'm not—I have a Broncos friend who uh, ad, is openly advocating that we tank for Trevor Lawrence this year. What do you think At least, I, at least I'm not doing—I think it's stupid. Okay. I don't know shit about college players. I know I think it's really good. And I kind of like some of his brother's art. And this guy's about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this guy's got a band crush on Trevor Lawrence. thinks thinks he's going to be a top ten quarterback his rookie year. That's what he told me. You so, don't believe him? No, rookie quarterbacks are never that good. Well, what about RG three? RG three had a very very specific skill set that lent itself to short term success. And if RG3 is your blueprint for a good quarterback in college, I really... 
I really, really do not, uh, shit. Well, I'm sorry. I opened my phone and read a text about work. What was I saying? <laughs> Something about <laughs> RG3 being the blueprint for Trevor Yeah, Lawrence. yeah, okay. If, if RG3 is your blueprint for what you want your rookie quarterback to be, that's not a very good way of thinking about it since he's a backup right now. I propose that in, I guess, two years' time, I don't know, whenever Trevor Lawrence's rookie season is over uh, and he is a top-10 quarterback, you and your friend should come back on whatever limping and (laughs) unlistenable version of (laughs) me on a podcast there is uh, to come do some kind of, like, bet pay-up. Bet pay-up. Bet pay up. You should make a bet with your friend, and whoever loses that particular bet once Trevor Lawrence's rookie year is over has to come on to my show in whatever form it is at the time and uh, pay their bet. Oh, I so appreciate some humiliation. Based I, I, I applaud you for appealing to the degenerate gambler inside of me, but unfortunately, my friend is not a degenerate gambler, and I don't know if he would make a bet. We'll see, though. Just, uh, well, just as a reminder to Aaron, who hopefully listens, Aaron still owes me a rap song because <laughs> Tyler Biotish went after pick 100. And I a know he knows song. it. Uh, it's, it'll be one verse and one chorus from the uh, um, song Air em Out by the rap group Clipping. Never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm cool as shit. So, I gotcha. Yeah. So Joe Burrow. Yes. Damn. Damn. Who okay, here, Who would you have taken of all the players available, or of all the players at all, who would you have taken before Judy? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Okuda. That's my boy. That's and my man. You did it. Isaiah Simmons. What would you play Simmons as? Whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, but what would you... What would you put him? What would you make him do? What was it? Um, what would be his primary spot? Because this is very important to me and to Ryan. Primary spot. I suppose. See, put me in a box here. I wouldn't give him a no, primary. I'm putting him spot. in a box. I'm putting both of you in boxes. I am insisting on boxes for both of you. He'd he'd be the he, no he would not have a specific position if I was running the defense. Do you think do you think uh, Tyron Matthew Matthew yeah, Tyron Matthew has a specific position? No. You you wouldn't call him a safety. I he's traditionally labeled as a safety. I get that, but I'd label him as a I, I'd call him a flex. I think flex. Is a very good, and it's worth noting that Simmons has that versatility, but he's also beefier and can play the run better, which lends itself to more snaps at linebacker. All right, all right. We'll see how the he's same. He's really a true marvel, athletically. We'll see. we'll see how the same people who will react to your Joe Burrow take react to your Isaiah Simmons take. Okay. We'll see what happens. Again, we're like double digit listeners; they're not going to find you, know, you. I really don't think it's a hot take. To take we'll Joe Burrow over Drew Locke. I mean, I adhere to the philosophy of only looking at their most recent year of tape and stats and such, and he was just otherworldly. I mean, for what it's worth, I agree with you. But I just think it's it's fun. It's fun to antagonize. Yes. Uh, well, okay, so we're excluding un- undrafted players, I guess. Could you say that again? Your mic did something weird. I fucking hate this mic. Uh, when you draft as a whole, excluding undrafted players and signings like that. Um, so, shameless plug, I wrote an article grading our draft. I know. Tell us where to find it. <laughs> Timeskewed.com. Go to, the, go to the categories, find the Broncos. All of the most recent Broncos articles are written by me. Uh, I... I gave them an A plus overall. I really, really loved what Elway did this year, uh, and I loved Judy. I loved uh, taking Hamler. I loved back to back receivers. 
But what really boosted it was getting Lloyd Cushenberry at 83. He was my second favorite interior offensive lineman in the whole draft. After Caesar? Yes. I really, really, really loved Cushenberry. Why did he fall so far? I honestly couldn't tell you. His so his negatives, I guess you could say, were that he this last year of college, Joe Brady came in as the offensive coordinator for LSU, and the offense he implemented basically was okay. We're gonna go five wide or four wide every single play, and when we go four wide, the receiver is going to free release off the backfield. So they rarely, rarely ever got help from a tight end or a running back in the pass blocking department. And that resulted in Cushingberry giving up more pressures than you would like to see from an offensive lineman. Uh, he was a little inconsistent too, but I still think falling all the way to 83 was a massive turn of fortune for the Broncos. Hmm. What about, um, what do you think of OJ Moody? And so, I'll admit, he's one of the cornerbacks I did the least uh, work on pre-draft. Is that because he's from Iowa? And no, it's it, it's just because I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't see him as a third-round pick. You know, I wasn't, I didn't really think that he'd warrant a third-round pick. So I just, you know, I focused more, because there were a lot of really uh, solid cornerback prospects. I just focused on a lot different ones um looking looking back on it i don't hate it uh i, I really I, I don't hate it he fits the scheme what does that mean uh he played almost exclusively zone coverage at iowa and he's physical he can tackle uh that's pretty much all fangio looks for in a corner is is that the only kind of similarity is it is zone is a zone coverage kind of player ubiquitously zone? It's like, does, is the zone that Fangio uses and utilizes, is that going to be the same kind of or fundamentally the same zone as anybody playing a zone kind of coverage is? Not, not to it, not like exactly, but uh, OJ Mudia, he, he was an outside corner at Iowa, and he'll be an outside corner for the Broncos. He was surprisingly fast during his combine. Yeah, he's uh, he's fast enough. He's physical. He can play the run. Uh, he's one thing that did excite me was I really liked watching his press technique at the line of scrimmage. I thought that was one of the better parts of his game was pressing off the line and then reverting back into a deep half or a quarter flat zone. Quarter flat. The purple zone in Madden. I don't oh, know if I said the right name. I don't know either. <laughs> oh, I don't have all the names of those zones memorized yet. And I've never played You've never played Madden? I, I feel like at this point, everybody who is aware of my name in the sub should not be surprised when I go like, what's a football? Nope, never played Madden. Uh, I rarely ever had consoles that it was on. I gotcha. And uh, I don't play fucking console games, man. Uh, your big PC master race guy. Uh, absolutely, I want to be able to shoot what I'm shooting at. Who are the other picks? Um, I okay. So the uh, Albert Okwebunam. Uh, I'm not as you know, excitement coming out of the ass like all the other Broncos fans I see on the the subreddit and on Twitter. Don't worry, because we've got Nick Vanett to come in and play any kind of blocking. Oh they need god see he's not even that good at blocking no nope. god that that signing pissed me off yup like like really and we haven't even cut hireman yet why haven't we cut hireman he might be hurt right oh really i have no idea i just assume because it's hireman huh. i don't think he has any medical issues at the moment maybe but... not a lingering one but he was also a really good blocker which Confuses yeah, me and saw action gonna... under lock. I, it's I don't I didn't like the Vanette signing. I don't think a lot of people I've talked to. I mean, I've I've signing. even before we signed Vanette, I I was an advocate for getting Hireman off the books. He's got a four million dollar cap hit for this next year. Also a good blocker though. 
Yeah, but the scheme that Shermer runs, I really don't think we're going to need a, a great blocking tight end for the backup. We can hope. We're going to see a lot more 11 personnel mm-hmm. and a lot more shotgun. It's truly, oh, the last five years of seeing retreads of the West Coast Shanahan offense that Elway's kept trying to put us through, it's going to be such a breath of fresh air to see a somewhat modern offense run by the Broncos. I'm, that's, I'm so excited. Need to work for Case. Uh, hey. <laughs> if Fashioner can take Case Keenum all the way to the NFC Championship game, I'm excited that he's going to be the one there for Drew Locke. So uh, what do you think the Broncos still are, are shallow in position-wise? If at all, um, left tackle. I am the biggest Garrett Bowles hater you'll find. I really, really, really think he's awful. Uh-huh. Like just truly terrible. And oh. I went back and I've watched the five games he played with Locke. He was still bad. Locke was, I would say, honestly, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he was elite at avoiding pressure and avoiding sacks in his five starts. He only got sacked five times in five games with the rotting corpse of our O-line, bunch of third stringers on the right side of the O-line. And, you know, Bowles just got lucky that Drew was so good at avoiding pressure. Because when you, if you go back and you watch Bowles against, you know, in these five games, yeah, he didn't really hold like he usually does, but he still wasn't good. He still didn't have good technique when he was pass protecting. He still wasn't a good run blocker. So I just, I I understand. Uh, believe me, there are people out there who were part of the uh, we need to get a left tackle or, or Drew's going to die crowd, right? I'm not a part of that. We call them trench wonks. Yes. I'm not a part of that group because Drew is very good at avoiding pressure. And we got a pretty stout interior offensive line right now. So, you know, I still would have taken Judy over any offensive tackle other than Jedrick Wills. I don't know if I said that earlier, but Wills is one other player that I would have taken over Judy. Oh, not Tristan Wirfs? No. Good. Wills Wills is just... It, it baffles me he fell all the way to 10. Was... um. Was he the one with the drug thing, or was that... That was Becton. Okay. I stopped paying attention after two names of tackles. Uh, what did you feel, then, about the, the what do you call it, the turn down, the fifth year, declining the fifth year option for um, bowls? All for it. That, that, well, that does leave us with potentially no left tackle on the, on the team in a year. Well, here's the way I look at it. He is, if he's our starter next year, we have problems at left tackle anyway. We need to find a new one anyway. Do you expect him not to be the starter next year? Absolutely. Who do you think is going to be? Or or a free agent? A free agent we bring in, I don't know, maybe... Maybe we make an aggressive move in the draft and try and trade up for... Oh, when you said next year, I was, I was assuming you meant this upcoming season. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. I'm talking about 2021. The following, when his are, contract's yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll be the starter this year, for sure, uh, because they've shown no interest in bringing in Jason Peters or you know anyone. I, for the record would love to sign Jason Peters to a one or a two year deal to play left tackle. But it, it they just show they've shown that they're comfortable going into this year with Garrett Bowles and giving him one more chance. It's it's whatever, you know, weakest part of our offense by far. What's the what's the benefit in in, in declining that fifth year option when you can cut him for no money? Well that's assuming that he doesn't get hurt. Why would you assume he got hurt? I'm not going to assume he's going to get hurt, but you have to assume that he doesn't get hurt when you say that you can cut him with no money. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm of the opinion that he should not, that if he's our starting left tackle in 2021, we have major problems. I, I'm fine with it going into this year because we had a great offseason and you can't fill every single hole. But if if we go into 2021 and he's, you know, we some for some reason, or, you know, if we had signed that option and he is our starting tackle, or we're, we'd be in big trouble. Do you, do you think it's realistic to think there are multiple uh, rookie tackles that would be coming into the draft next year, but multiple rookie tackles that could outperform Bulls? In year one, yeah, uh, I would really only put money on Sewell out of Oregon being better than him in year one. But there are plenty of, you know, in this is very pre- preliminary because I typically don't watch uh, too much film on people until, you know, they're coming into the draft. But very preliminary, Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, I think after a year or two, could definitely be better than Bulls because it's not hard to do. He's not good. Right. I think the concern, though, because I don't think many people actually think Bowles is, I mean, I've seen sentiments that he's an average tackle, which I don't necessarily agree with. But the idea that going into next year without any left tackle or without any trustworthy left tackle, assuming like Wilkinson doesn't work out at tackle, Mm -hmm. which he won't, won't. but then you, you are kind of gambling that you'll get one either in free agency or one that can start immediately from the draft. And I think that's the concern a lot of people have when they are seemingly upset about the decline of the fifth-year option. Because while Bowles is a... Like, having Bowles as your left tackle going into next year, I agree, is a bad thing. Having no one is worse. I understand. I Yeah, I, under, I understand that mindset, but we really don't have any big free agents after this year uh, in the off in the next off season. So we can offer, we can afford to offer Alejandro Villanueva uh, from the Steelers as a free agent next year. Uh, who else? There are a few really, really solid starting tackles that are going to be free agents that we could very easily offer market re- market setting deals to well we know villanueva is going to be out there and we know he's uh-huh. got the relationship with munchak but we also know isn't he going to be in his early 30s oh i'm actually not sure how old he'll be yeah villanueva will be 33 uh after the first couple of games next year he'll be okay like i found a list of tackles that are going to be free agents next year all right uh, David Bakhtiari, Colorado kid. We bring him home. How old is he? Um, I'd assume in his thirties. Yeah. None of the free agents that you're gonna sign that are worthy of starting are gonna be young. Like Ronnie Stanley is gonna be a free agent. The Ravens are not gonna let him leave the team. Uh, he'll he'll stay on their roster. Yeah, like I said, it 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 somewhat frightens me the prospect of gambling like that when there is always the potential for nobody and then you have to mm-hmm. you know re-sign bowls maybe for less than you would have paid with the the fifth year option and i think that that's i think that's something that elway was thinking of when he declined the option is but again that's there's always the option he says no <laughs> it's just scary you had somebody locked up and you just have to hope that somebody who's yes, not hurt. There's a chance he says no, but I'd oh, I'd you'd be hard pressed to find a team that's going to offer Bulls money to start at left you, tackle for are them. Are you sure? I think it's a fairly desperate league, and like I don't think eleven million would yes, necessarily the, be the, uh, out of the question. The general perception on Garrett Bulls is he sucks. He's awful. Oh, but what if he has a decent year? Then you're going to end up paying well, $13 then, million, then you got And then people... you ruin, you played yourself. Okay, okay. My <laughs> counter to that is, if he has a good year and shows he can be a starting left tackle, you're going to have to pay him anyway. Why not do it now? Because you could, you didn't have to do it now. <laughs> because you had an extra year. 
Yeah, but if he ended up paying an extra five million in the first year, I, I really don't have that. Cut good some deal. of those tight ends to find that money. Good. <laughs> we don't need nine goddamn tight ends on the roster. Ooh, with all the decent players coming up soon, it's the, like the next four years, it's just going to be us going like, do we really want to shot that? Yeah, I mean, on Miller. It'll definitely be interesting to see how Elway and the cap guys manage that. Uh, is, is Von Miller coming back after this, this contract? I'd like to think that he would be very flexible so that he could end his career in Denver, but you never know. I thought Chris Harris would do that too. Mm. Uh, but then again, Von Miller got paid a shit ton. Chris Harris always took hometown deals. So... Who knows? Maybe he's willing to take it. I mean, this is all stuff that Elway can figure out later down the line. I mean, we got to worry about what? Cortland? We got to worry about Cortland here in two we years. We got to worry about Josie Jewell. Oh, God. <laughs> Kick him to the curb. No, he's Josie. Remember when everyone was all excited about Josie Jewell? I do. I, I do. I actually do remember when everyone was so excited about Josie Jewell. I never understood it. He's a hard worker. Lunch meal. Yeah, real real gym rat. Scrappy. Sneaky. Something. Just sneaky in general. Yeah. First one in, last one out. Always. Every time. Mm -hmm. Without fail. Um, got any last words on Judy or anything Broncos related? Because I feel like I'm winding down. Unless you want to revitalize, rekindle this conversation. No, I mean I, I'm good doing whatever. All right. Well, I'm I'm out of questions. All right. Uh, I think it is tradition, though. Like it's it's bad that I didn't know how to start the podcast, but it is tradition that we do not end well. Okay. Um, you, what you got? Any parting thoughts on the Broncos? Hmm. Parting thoughts on the Broncos. Yes, I'll say this. Todd Davis is a lot better than everybody thinks he is. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say about Todd yeah. Davis. Todd Davis is a good dude. He's better than uh, his his 2016 season still haunts him. 2016 or was it 2017? It was 2016. Well, I'm yeah, not that was when, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. That was when um uh he went to the Bears. Oh no. The linebacker that went to the Bears after the Super Bowl. Danny Trevathan. Trevathan, yeah. Trevathan left, and Todd Davis came in and did have legitimate difficulty in the coverage role because Brandon Marshall was hurt. Um, but since that season, 2017, he improved vastly. 2018, he was pretty decent. And uh, 2019, he was pretty good in coverage. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's no such thing as a shutdown linebacker, and I feel mm -hmm. that some people think there is. You know, that's one of my biggest pet peeves when they when they go, "We need to sign this linebacker. We need to trade up for Isaiah Simmons so that we can stop Travis Kelsey." Travis Kelsey, who's lined up out wide against a corner currently. Yeah, like, like no one. There is not a single linebacker in the NFL that can lock down. Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or any top tier tight end. Yeah, that's that, that, that's really strange. I think it's just associated with it at this point. Like, like you say, we get we get mauled by tight ends. That that wasn't the case last year. Not as bad as it has been under a certain former head coach that I don't really want to name. Uh, everybody gets killed by tight ends because it's one of the biggest mismatch positions in all of sports. Yep, 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 and it's up to the secondary as well as the middle mm -hmm. of the field. Yes. And uh, I feel like a lot of people just kind of have that old-school mindset of this is where these players go all the time and whenever yeah. they see something. Or that, like, if, you know, Austin Eckler is out there running a wheel route that Todd Davis is supposed to stride with him. Exactly. Like, if Todd stops him from getting a first down at all, even if he catches the ball or something like that, that's good for mm -hmm. a linebacker, especially one who's not super athletic okay this yeah. is now we're talking about todd now this is now the todd davis podcast mm -hmm. uh, and i've i've been a big defender since um well somebody who no longer 
frequent the sub and i probably shouldn't name them for that but i got into an argument with them like three years ago. i will say one more thing before we go mm-hmm. and this might this might anger a lot of people a, a lot of the the 12 people that hear it worst movie of the offseason was signing melvin gordon you're a good guest god damn yeah. running backs don't matter and melvin gordon was mega overrated he has been his whole career you're a real good guest you're coming back Okay. Josh Anytime. is top tier. Uh, Anytime. We'll, get you on, we'll get you on with Cody. We'll get you some connections. All right. All right. Well, uh, I end, end, end show? Yeah. Yes. Maybe. End of podcast. No, we, let's say um, Aaron wasn't here and I missed him because I can't structure anything and didn't have as many questions as I wanted. I've so never I, met Aaron before. I know. It's your loss. Uh, maybe one day with Cody. Cody and Aaron and D Bronx, and we'll get the whole crew together and yeah. we can all bring Pine Dog on and shit on him. 